I am a little bit of a pessimist, and you are, you know, but we know that. But that's my job. You're supposed to bring the positivity here. Munster are not one of the best teams in the world at the moment. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Welcome back to this evening's Off the Ball. It is time for us to have a look back at the weekend's hurling. Limerick, for the first time since the 1930s, have run off four Munster senior hurling titles in a row. It is now three in a row for Kilkenny and an 18th of the Brian Cody era. Quite a remarkable record uh, following their win against Galway. Watching what was pretty an epic uh, Munster final at the weekend at Semple Stadium, which went to extra time before Limerick overcame Clare by four points, was nine-time All-Ireland winner with Kilkenny. Tommy Walsh is with us now. Tommy, how are you getting on? Yeah, good evening, Will. I guess the story is going to be the fact that Limerick have found answers all the way throughout this Munster Championship. They've run off four in a row now without Keane Lynch. But also, Clare, on three different occasions when games went to 70 minutes this year against Limerick, have been level with them. Limerick haven't been able to beat Clare in normal time. That has to give Clare a lot of hope going into the All-Ireland Series, Tommy. Yeah, and I think that's probably something that Brian Lohan has instilled in this team, Will. Um I was looking at a, an article James O'Connor wrote in the Sunday Independent uh, last weekend. It was a, a week before the 1997 All-Ireland. And James, he went for a, a score from out the field. And it went wide, but Brian Lohan wasn't happy with it. And went up and, you know, gave him a, a piece of his mind. And James, he wasn't too happy with it at the time. But a week later, he got the same chance in the All-Ireland final against Tipperary. He put it over the bar. And it just goes to show the mindset of Brian Lohan, that standards are set and you must prepare at all times, no matter when the occasion is, you prepare as best you can because it's when the, I suppose, game is at its tightest, when the moment is, cl- when it's clutch, that's when you'll be rewarded. And the standards, Brian Lohan, I've seen him in, in earlier, uh, the round robin games, I've seen him in, I think it was their first game, where he wasn't happy with prepare players' effort in one passage of play. Five minutes later, I'd say less, he was gone. And it just and, and they were still in the game, winning well, I'd say, even at that time. And it just set the stall for that team. And that's why, when Limerick got ahead of them the other day, they weren't able to power on and win by seven or eight points, as you would expect uh, the All-Ireland champions to do. No, players stayed going and going. And another part of that was Shane O'Donnell will. If you remember Shane O'Donnell during that game, his, his tackling was ferocious. But he gave away a couple of frees, I'd say three or four or five frees. But listen, his effort was top class. He was just a bit unlucky. Who was the guy that shoved out one of the Limerick players? I think it was a Barry Nash for, for the sideline cut that Tony Kelly put over the draw again. Shane O'Donnell. Again, loan, standards were being set. Although he's a bit unlucky, Shane O'Donnell giving away a couple of frees. He was rewarded when the game was at its tightest. So that's why Clare were able to, to keep in with these teams. They prepare well. They have some fantastic hurlers and listen they'll have to just get ready now for the All-Ireland Series Yeah they've got an intensity about them and when you talk about a player coming up in a clutch moment Tony Kelly had missed a few frees and Peter Duggan had gone on them hit the frees pretty well still Tony finished up with 13 points at the end of the game with 7 of them coming from play and some of them coming from like ridiculous angles and some of the best points we've seen so far this season but to step up in the moment where it would have been easy to just take the percentage on that last line ball play it in try and work another possession and see if Clare could get a score Tony Kelly backs his talent to be able to put that over from the left-hand side, even when there was, I think, a can or a bottle thrown at him just before he was about to hit it. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say if someone had to come looking for it, I'd say you would have given it to him, Will. <laughs> it was, it was um, you know, it was, it was a tight a tight angle. Like, what are the odds of it really going over? Like, there's, there's only the really great players, I'd say, could manage to do it. I'd say if you took that 
sideline caught another 20, 30 times, you'd be lucky enough for it to go over. But Tony Kelly, listen, he's been doing it for the last couple of years now. I'd say ever since Brian Lohan probably has taken back over the team, he's just been rolling out these 9 out of 10, 10 out performances every day of the week. And um, even as you said, he missed a couple of frees. In the earlier parts of the game, even, he was finding things difficult inside in the full forward line. He was on Sean Finn, he was on Mike Casey. But no, he kept going and going, and he was rewarded. Like seven points for playing a Munster final. It's heroic stuff, and not everyone was going his way, as you said. And even the sideline cuts, like Peter Duggan, if you can remember, took the first sideline mm-hmm. cut and put it over the bar. But then Tony took it back over then when 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 it was needed. He stepped up, and I, I think as well, great confidence has been given to this Clare team when the six Clare players weren't playing the last game against Watford. That it was always, this is a Tony Kelly team. They depend on Tony Kelly. They pro- proved that day. Yes, he's a valuable player, a brilliant, brilliant player. But there's other players in that team that can win matches for him too. I thought John Conlon was absolutely outstanding. I thought Conor Cleary, you know, gave Aaron Gillan as tough a game as he's likely to encounter over the next couple of years. I thought there was a lot of heroic. They've deserved five points from play out around the middle of the field. He's having a season to remember. His scores from out the field are being absolutely valuable to this player team. And Shane O'Donnell, as we said, is tackling. Pierre Duggan, just his kind of overall contribution against physicality, is definitely enormous to this team. So, listen, an all-around great team display, I would say, as well as a few great individual performances from Clare. Maybe a feeling, did you get in Semple Stadium itself, Tommy, when some of those key players like Duggan, O'Donnell and Tony himself tired a bit in extra time and they had to come off, that just maybe that was the difference between Clare and Limerick come the end. That Clare maybe just ran out of steam a little bit in the added 20 minutes. Yeah, you see, that, that's the thing with this Limerick team, Will. I wouldn't even put it on the Clare guys. I'd put this on the Limerick guys. Clare, they held Galan fairly well for large parts of that game. Um, they held Kyle Hayes. Paul Flanagan was absolutely outstanding. David McInerney was brilliant on Hego. Um, there was a lot of the Limerick team's players. They were coming up with, I suppose, plays at vital times. It was an overall performance that Clare guys really, really put it up to them. And... When all them guys were tied up, Seamus Flanagan steps up and scores eight points from play. Like, where else or what other team can do that? So I would put that down to more the strength of the, the Limerick team as regards overall strength of their individual players and a couple of subs that came on. I thought Bynum was brilliant when he came on. David Reedy was brilliant when he came on. So I would put it more down to the strength of the Limerick players and panel than as opposed to a weakness in the clear side. Yeah, the big Limerick performer was Seamus Flanagan. He's so key to how they play, you know, creating space, breaking ball, uh, being that kind of target man in the forward line that's there to support Galan. And this time around, he did a lot of scoring himself. As you mentioned, eight points from play during the game. Took a little bit of criticism, didn't play all that well against Clare when they met the first time with the draw in Ennis. But he looked right back to his best form, Tommy, at the weekend. Yeah, and he's hardy. Like, uh, I think reading from a couple of interviews over the years, he's a farmer, so he knows how to put in the hard yards. He's been, he doesn't mind criticism, I'd say, it just flows off the off his back and he just gets on with it. But that's the great thing about this Limerick, play, Limerick players, different guys step up on different days. Now, I do think, not in the scoring front, I thought they were full backline, put in huge shifts the weekend. And none greater than that diving block from Mike Casey on Shane O'Donnell. That looked like a certain goal. Like, if you can remember when Tom Marcy caught the ball in the first half, laid it off the head goal, he still had a lot of work to do to score that goal. But Shane O'Donnell was through in a similar kind of a position straight through the middle, maybe draw a guy and hand pass it off. But the Limerick backs, they kind of held and held. Mitchell O'Donnell make a, a decision quickly. He went for the shot, 
a cross game Mike Casey this is a guy come back from you know as a two cruciate knee ligament injuries has missed major parts of the last couple of campaigns and comes up with a performance like that and a play like that I thought that was you know geez, it was a heroic remind you of Conor Gormley's block JJ Delaney's block back through the years so yeah no listen I thought the Limerick full back line were brilliant Barry Nash I think he deserves huge credit as well this guy came from you know, a star, he was a star underage player in the forwards. Wasn't quite making it, but then the opportunity came in the backs where one of them or two of them were out injured at the time. They asked him to go back in the half-back line and he's been just outstanding ever since. He's always an eight or a nine performer and looks like a guy with a great attitude. Is Barry Nash in the conversation for Hurler of the Year this year, Tommy? You know, like a lot of people will talk about forwards and how Galan's been going and there was talk about Shane O'Donnell a few weeks ago and Dermot Burns has obviously been spoken about quite a bit. But like Nash has been remarkably consistent and he's put in a few all-action displays like the one we saw at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, going on, on his performance to date. And it'll depend really, I suppose, Will, on who the All-Ireland champions are. Mm. Like, you know, 99% of the time it's from the All-Ireland champions. If that happened to be Limerick, like you'd be saying, Sean Finn will be in the reckoning. You'd say Barry Nash will be in the reckoning. Burns will be in the reckoning. So there's so many players, Aaron Galan, as you said. And uh, no, definitely Barry Nash deserves huge credit. And like for a cornerback to be in line or be talked about for her year, he must be putting in some performances. And he is. And he's so adaptable, which you need to be in the full back line in the modern game because a lot of guys play with two guys inside. So they're able to leave Finn and Mike Casey inside and say, Nash, if we have to go out the field, you follow the players out the field. And listen, this guy isn't come with no little pressure either. You know, his father and uncle played for the great Limerick team of the mid-90s. So, like, this guy had a lot on his shoulders growing up and he's really living to, up to the expectations now after, you know, putting in a, maybe one or two or three years where, you know, it wasn't so easy. We got just the one goal in the game, but it was worth it for that one goal that was scored. Like Morrissey catches the ball, I think his helmet starts to slip off slightly when he initially makes the catch. So he's to kind of readjust uh, with the face guard coming down over his eyes. Almost out of instinct, he pops the ball off over his shoulder to where Hegarty is making the run. And Hegarty has so much to do from when he catches that ball. If you're the clear defence, you're probably thinking, Tommy, we actually have a fairly good setup here. He's got two men to try and get past. He juggles the ball a la Gaza in Euro 96 to actually get himself into position. And the ball barely leaves his hurl for any amount of time before it's back and under control again. And then a wonderful finish across goal to put it in. Like one of the best goals we're going to see all summer. It is, Will. Uh, you're 100% on that. And I think Hegarty has, I suppose, delivered on the big occasions and big moments many times over the last couple of years. And it's very rare, I suppose, for a guy so tall, so strong to have the elegance that, that this guy has. Like, you know, he's this guy, I think he's six foot five. And he goes round with the stick as if he's a you know five foot eight, five foot nine. That's the kind of magical touches that he's displaying. Um, like the the goals he scored in the final last year, I thought was they weren't just raspers. Let's hit this ball as hard as it can. He soloed in from underneath the the Hogan stand in the final last year and placed the ball from about 22, 23 yards out. Very difficult to beat goalkeepers these days from that far out. Against Sunday, I thought like. Going back through the years of this Limerick team when they start in 2018, my four pillar would be the three guys in the half hour line, which is Hegarty, Keane Lynch, and um, Tom Morrissey. And then throw in Kyle Hayes as well, say half backer. He's now in the full forward line. But they're my four pillars of this Limerick team. At the moment, Lynch was out. But the weekend, right, Kyle Hayes was, was under pressure. I thought Al Flanagan did a great job on him. But Tom Morrissey and Garrod Hegarty. Whilst the game, the ball, and say the game, their game wasn't flowing, 
they came up with just crucial, crucial scores at crucial times. And Tom Morrissey, he scored three points from play and caught that ball under two or three different guys and then had to wear it all. Most guys, when the helmet came off, would have said, listen, play it up to be a free free in here, there'll be no advantage. But no, he'd wear the ball, less chance this, hand-passing into Hegarty, a flick over, like, as Johnny said at the weekend, like Kevin Broderick in 2001 All-Ireland semi-final against Kilkenny, that famous score where he sold it down underneath the Hogan stand, flicked it over, Kilkenny player back onto the hurl, and then over the bar. That was, you know, being talked about for many years and still being talked about. This Hegarty goal will be talked about for, for many years to come. And it wasn't just a flick over the, the head. It was the way he placed the ball. It was a greasy day Sunday, uh, Will. So the best chance of scoring a goal in a greasy day is bounce the ball low off the ground. So it slides and skims nearly. Goalie doesn't know where to put his hurl. And so listen, he, he, he did just that. Mm. You talk about the players that can come in and obviously Keane Lynch is going to be there to come back if he's fit for the semi-final John Kiley understandably was kind of playing it down a bit when he was asked about it at the weekend uh, by Oshin Langan who was with you at Semple he said we'll have to wait and see if he's back but we've got the benefit now of a few weeks rest to maybe get Keane back seems it was a, a bad enough hamstring uh, tear with the amount of time that he's been out for but he should come back in he fits directly back into the system he's so key to how they play but it's such a benefit Tommy for them to be able to players like Kyle Hayes who can play in multiple positions Nash you've mentioned him already like these guys who you could probably trust them to fit in for one of their key players being away and Limerick will have probably found a lot more about their team having played three or four crucial games without Keane Lynch now Yeah and they have the, the, the benefit of being able to do that with how many other teams in the country can play with the likes of you know chance Kyle Hayes in the full far line and hope it goes well like you know his form over the last couple of years as a wing back has been we've been talking about him as hurler of the year at this stage of the year Year in, year out, he's been just putting in enormous performances. At the moment, he's just putting in the hard yards for the team. And Limerick are able to do that because they've other players that, that can step in maybe and get the scores. Not every team can do that. Keen Lynch, in my mind, when he comes back fit, this isn't like an ankle injury where you're hardy. You get through it or you have a thumb injury or a finger injury. You, you get through it and you just take, it, take the belts and you take the pain and you get on with it. Hamstring, you can't do that. So John Kiley... He's clever in the fact that he knows if he brings him back too early, pulls the hamstring, he's gone for another six or eight weeks. He has he doesn't really have a choice in this matter. He has to wait for Lynch to come back to full health. And I, I would predict that when he comes back, he'll be straight onto that team. How could you not put the two-time hurler year, an unselfish hurler, a guy that makes goals, he make, makes points, he scores points himself. So I reckon when he comes back, he'll go straight onto that team. But well, I think this Limerick team... They've done the four in a in Munster now. They've won the McMackie Cup for the first time. John Kiley has now moved up the list of all-time winning Munster Championship uh, managers. Uh, Justin McCarthy's at number one with six. Number two, you have Babs Keaton and Bertie Try with five. Now John Kiley moves up with Ken O'Brien and joined third on that list. Like There's records here now that, that this Limerick team, in-house, they won't be chasing. But, but they are. And that's the fact of the matter. And it's great that they are doing it. It's the sign of a great team. This Limerick team is playing for greatness now. Like They're trying to get up there now with the great Limerick team of the 30s, the Tipperary team of the 60s, the Cork team of the maybe 40s, 70s, the Kenny team of the 70s, the Kenny team of, you know, the, the, the Naughties, the Cork team of the, that, that we played against in the Naughties. This Limerick team is, they are a great team now, but where are they going to finish on the greatness scale? I think that's where we're heading with this, with this Limerick team.
Maybe the drive comes as well, though, from this Clare team and the way that they've been playing. Like We were kind of throwing it about in the hurling pod with James Gell and with Paul Murphy this week, and we are thinking, has there been a better Munster final like in recent memory when you take everything into account the difficult conditions the huge crowd that were packed in you know, the game sells out in 11 minutes so there was all the expectation and hype and the fact that they had the drawn game a few weeks ago and it lived up to all of that I think like just the intensity of the game the fact there was no space to be had whatsoever like I would think if you're a player Tommy you probably relish days like that where you were tested to your absolute maximum before you come off the pitch yeah well um, it's a, I agree with you in the fact that it's a looking at a game anyway it's the best game that I've ever been at and watching because it had everything. Some games are part of the game, whether it's high scoring or high physicality. Some games have the high intensity. This game had absolutely everything with um, like it. Was a month, there was a Munster Championship there to be won. You had two border, border counties. You had Limerick versus Clare. You had the Mick Mackey Cup for the first time. The crowds, like I was there very early, but there was about an hour or two before the game. The, the, the PA announcer was shouting can, can the people please go up to their seats so it was very wet down there so they're obviously all huddling underneath the stand back out in the tunnels but there was such a crowd coming in I would I, I, I guessed at the time that they wanted them all up into their seats for safety wise this is what they're dealing with the, the town end the client end both were full early early in the day and like I think who deserves huge credit Will in, in I suppose Making making it a great day is the referee John Keenan. Yeah. Because there could have been a thousand frees win, but he didn't because there was no real dirt. There was it was everyone going for the ball. And sometimes when there's such huge intensity and physicality in a wet day, but listen, there can be technical fouls as such. But no, he let go and let the best team win. And you know, I don't think anyone can complain there was any dirt in the game. I thought it was played in the highest of spirits. So like if you look at the, the scoring side of it. You had Seamus Flanagan scoring eight points from play. You had Tony Kelly scoring seven. Davy Fitzgerald, five. You had um, Ryan Taylor scoring three. Just tr- Aaron Glad, a tough day, but finishing with three from play. So on the sc- and Gerard Hegarty's goal, you know, one of the goals of the ages. On the defensive side of it then, you had Will O'Donnell. Like, who put him out over the line? Like, the, I don't know which clear guy he was, but... He absolutely tunneled him outside the line, you know, and you never see that with any Limerick guys. You see Tony Kelly getting hooked out in the line. I saw Ryan Taylor getting shoved out over the line. All in the proper way, you know, man to man, shoulder to shoulder. So it had everything. And then you had, I suppose, the Bragdon Knights were on the line. And that was, you know, Clare versus Limerick. Clare would have liked to come in, I'd say, and win the McMackey Cup. They were trying to win the first Munster since 1998. Um, Like a lot of these players, Tony Kelly... David McInerney, um, you know, John Connolly, all these guys, they've, they've league titles, they have All-Ireland titles, but they've no Munster Championship, you know, and we all know the guys in Munster, you're from off the infantry, Kenny, which we hear about from the Munster counties all the time, Will, they love the Munster Championship, they take great pride in the Munster final and win the Munster Championship medal, so that was on the line for the Clare guys, so with so much on the line and so many great performances, I think always a sign of a great match is you could pick out seven or eight guys that were man of the match, you know, so listen, you're you're a hundred percent right. It was a game for the age as well. 
bit of a contrast between that and the game at Crow Park on Saturday. We, we had two great finals. The McDonough Cup final was a cracker uh, between Antrim and Kerry. The curtain raiser at Crow Park and that game was an absolute score fest uh, which was incredibly entertaining and Kerry twice coming back from 12 and 11 points down to almost draw the game level at the end of 70 minutes but Antrim held on. They're going up to the Leinster Championship for next year. The Leinster final itself, you know, Kilkenny win by four points. As it worked out, it was a bit of a free fest and again, maybe in contrast to Keenan, Owens was very picky on some of the fouls. Now, the only thing about it is when you look back at Galway in this one Tommy they gave away too many fouls it's something that Henry was left actually bemoaning at the end of the game that if you are that indisciplined in the tackle and when Galway's forward line didn't really get going you give TJ Reid the chance to go over and pop over a dozen frees to win Kilkenny the game Yeah and you know in this day and age there's a couple of free takers out there they'll score 9 out of 10 frees and TJ happens to be one of them so when you're playing against that Kilkenny team with him as the free taker you do not want to be giving away frees it was a beautiful day up in Crow Park there'll be very little wind kind of swaying in Crow Park Will uh, it's not like other grounds it's, it's generally it's just fairly standard enough that, that way and um, you know TJ put them all over as he, as he does m- most days of the week um, I thought for Galway I thought their physicality actually I really thought to put up the Kilkenny on that side of things. But I just thought too many other players weren't in form. Um, like Cottle Mannion, Mikey Butler was on him, I'd say, for the whole of the first half anyway. So he was just running after him and following him no matter where he went. Um, you know, Joseph Cooney wasn't really in the game. Connor Cooney wasn't really in the game. Brian Concannon. I thought defensively, I thought actually Galway had really good games. You know, I thought Dahi Burke and Massey Thion had a great battle. Both of them came out with that, I'd say, 50-50. Um, Park, Mannion, Garoad, McInerney, like not too many of the Kilkenny forwards littered up, if you like. I thought Young Grealish had a great game on, on own Cody, who has had a fantastic summer so far. So I think the Limerick defence uh, had a, probably a great game, but it's just too many of their forwards, I suppose, weren't able to get in on the game and, and get a couple of points from play. Like I'd say Joseph Cooney, Thomas Monaghan, they all had huge games up in Salt Hill. But that wasn't the case the other day. Yeah, the, like the shooting percentage was really, really bad. It was down into the low 40s. They took on a lot of shots but missed them. And then they're so reliant on two players, like the two Connors and Connor Cooney and Connor Whelan score 14 out of the 17 points came from their sticks. So like we were praising Galway probably a few weeks ago for the selection of scores that they had and the fact that everyone was chipping in and they were putting in big scores. The reality is that you got to give a bit of credit to the way that Kilkenny defended in front of their own goal to actually restrict Galway to shooting from poor angles during the game too. Yeah, true. And, you know, they probably missed a couple of goal chances too. Um, I know, you know, I suppose Owen on the goal, Owen Murphy on the goal, he made a great body save at one stage. You know, was it was from Brian Cannon or one of the Galway forwards. Like, it reminded me of Brendan Cummins on his, at his pump. I thought he was the best guy in Ireland at the time of just coming out making himself big and the ball hit off him somewhere. You'd say it's luck, but I didn't, never thought so. Well, Owen Murphy was the very same at the weekend. I thought Conor Whelan had two chances. If you remember the one he bounced into the ground, normally he'd stick that in the, in the corner of the net. The other one was the ball that was given across to him. It came a bit hard across the middle. If you remember up in Salt Hill, Owen Cody gave a similar ball to Billy Ryan. Just drove it at him. And I thought at the time, live looking at the game, that was a difficult one for Billy Ryan that he couldn't miss this and it wouldn't be his fault. But he didn't. He controlled it and buried it. Towards the weekend, Conor Whelan got a similar ball and just, you know, he didn't control it first time and the Kenny backs were on top of him. If they had to got them goal chances, well, it could have been a totally different game. So I think you're right. I didn't realise they hit so many wides. So if you take their goal chances and their points, their execution probably wasn't 
what they'd hoped it to be. Yeah, I did a quick check. It was uh, 36 shots that they had on goal inside Kilkenny's half and only 17 of them resulted in scores by the full-time whistle. So it was really, really down on what their uh, percentages have been in the games recently. For Kilkenny, though, uh, when you look at this, Tommy, are we getting to a point where Brian Cody has found a settled team? Because, again, you're talking about changes before throw-in, changes to the system from the Wexford game. A lot of change in personnel over the last few games. Are we finally starting to see maybe what will line up to be a semi-final uh, starting 15? Or is that still a little bit of a mystery based on the amount of changes in the round robin and also in that Leinster final itself? Yeah, so normally, Brian Cody has always said openly to the media and he has acted on that as well with, with his team. The only thing he's interested in is a settled spirit, you know, mm. uh, not a settled team. And it probably comes secondary then if the players are going well he will have a settled team but normally there probably would be 12 or 13 you would say automatics and then there's always two or three changes for most games but you'd have 12 automatics we haven't seen that probably so far uh in the in in the championship both the league and the round robin why is that well if you go back to it brain's managerial record i would say after a loss he has always probably performed open heart surgery to the team there has always been significant changes to his teams. On that. Now, that's what me going by memory as opposed mm. to research. I would say if you're to look back at his teams after a loss, I'd say he has performed huge changes on, on the team. And if they had to lose last weekend, we would have lost three matches so far in the Leinster Championship. So that's probably why there were so many changes up to that, because we were losing so many games. Um, so now that we're back winning again and now we're into the knockout stages four weeks now to the all Ireland semi-final a lot of in-house games I'd say listen there won't be too many changes but I would expect as always one or two changes Would that have meant that when you were playing under Cody then if you lost a game and let's be fair you guys went on a serious run I think it was 15 unbeaten in Leinster in the 2000s when you were in the team and we know all about your All-Ireland success outside of uh, Leinster too so you won a lot of games rather than losses but when a loss happened Tommy would you have been expecting those whole-scale changes then if you're going back into training middle of the week after a defeat? See the problem I suppose with that is um, the matches we usually lost were just All-Ireland finals Mm. like you know um, like when I was there I was at 13 years like we won 9 years of it like you know so it was more often than not when we lost there was an All-Ireland Finals which were probably the following year so it wasn't as noticeable but if you go back to the games we lost 2012 Leinster semi-final against Galway I'm sure there was changes after that uh, I can't remember now but I would expect yeah I, w- I would have always expected but you know more often than not it was an All-Ireland Final kind of and the year, your year was over really yeah, trying to work out something as well from watching the Wexford game and then from watching the Galway game. The amount of times that Kilkenny got turned over in possession against Wexford and also the amount of times that the ball was launched long. Looking at Richie Reid particularly, who gave away nine long deliveries, didn't turn into a Kilkenny possession against Wexford. So he was putting it pretty long and the ball wasn't sticking up front. He only lost the ball three times in the 18 times that he put the ball forward against Galway at the weekend. Clearly, like Kilkenny used the ball a lot better and their passing was a lot more effective. We say it's very difficult to maybe change things in a short period of time. But at the same time, Kilkenny adapted quite a bit between that defeat and the Galway game with the way they approached it. Yeah, and I'd say probably it's that bit easier when it goes so wrong um, as it did in that last 10 minutes against Wexford. It wasn't, did we do this wrong? Did we do this right? Everybody knew, I'd say, both both the players, the management and the fans knew that we had worked so hard all year to change around the game. And that's to play the long ball and the short ball. 
why at this critical time against Wexford, when we didn't know if we needed a win or a loss, because we didn't know the result up in, in between Galway and Dublin, that we went long all the time, every time, as in 100% of the time, I would say. But I, I would rewind back to Richie Reid, Will, as well. Richie Reid has been a fantastic number six for Ballyhale over the last couple of years. One of the best in the county. Put in nine, ten out ten performances every day for them. Uh, scoring long-range scores. And hasn't been breaking onto the Kenny team at number six. So I think that was only a second, a second game, I'd say, in a row at number six. So that wouldn't have been a guy that was confident enough. What would have been in his head going out? I need to get on the ball. I need to play well as opposed to tactics or how to play around with the ball. Towards now, I suppose, after that game, he's kind of after cementing his his his, his position now, that now he can be that way more comfortable, that he, he won't be afraid to make a mistake, hit the ball short, and maybe if it's turned over, he won't be taken off. So I think it's just him growing in confidence as, as a starting player in that Kilkenny team. And he, he has made that for himself. He has earned that right. So I think you're right. I was looking at him without looking at the stats that you're looking at. And every ball seemed to be a ball that was going somewhere in particular. He wasn't just launching it for the same a lot. And the same with Paddy Deacon on the other side. Paddy was the same against Wexford. You know, when he gets the ball over the shoulder, he only did that once when he was under pressure the other day. Every other time he was giving the ball in lovely into the forward line or else he was putting the ball over the bar. So, yeah, I think Kilkenny learned major things from that Wexford last 10 minutes. Look, sometimes Kilkenny revert to going direct and sometimes it works really well. And thinking back to the Dublin game, we're actually getting the ball in quick, worked really well that day and goals came off it. And similarly, I think in the league match against Dublin, it worked very well. But do you think Kilkenny have to get to this stage where they're going to adapt to playing a slightly shorter game like Clare, like Limerick, like maybe what we've seen from Waterford this year to actually take these teams on? Or do you think that actually Kilkenny can mix it up a little bit and maybe that might make it difficult for Limerick or Clare later in the year? Yeah, well, I think if you, if you look at Limerick and Clare at the moment, uh, I think they do both. And that's the key here, is that you keep the opposition guessing. If you go short all the time, they will just up, they will front you from, say, the cornerback, fullback, and the other cornerback. They will go up and press them guys, turn it over. And at least if they don't turn it over, you won't be able to get quality ball into your, your forward line. Towards if you go along all the time, obviously all the midfielders and with half-backs, they will just go back and they'll mop up anything. The key thing is to keep the, the opposition guessing. That's what Clare are doing. That's what Limerick are doing. That's what Kilkenny are trying to do, I think, this year. Bar them, them, them 10 minutes and maybe even against Cork for a couple of minutes in, in the league semi-final, probably in the second half, they probably did something similar. I, I was happiest in the Leinster final that when they did come under pressure, they kept at it, which is... It's not a short game, as far as I can see, Will. It just keeps them guessing. Sometimes it's short, sometimes it's long. But the key thing with the with the Munster final as well, if you look back on the videos of it, and this was looking at it live, where you can see all angles of the pitch, I suppose, as opposed to the TV angle. I thought they went tactically, they all went man-on-man man for large parts of that. So even if you did hit the ball long, it was going into a 1v1 um, battle inside. And you see, that, that doesn't happen too often, Will. Um, if you do that against the Wexfords or the Galways, they will, you know, usually have a spare man inside. So I think you just have to, it has to be heads up hurling. But the Munster final the other day, I thought you could hit the ball in long. It was always going to be 1v1. Is there a feeling that Limerick and Clare are a good bit ahead of the two teams we saw in the Leinster final? Or is this just the nature of the two matchups that we saw on Saturday and Sunday that they felt like chalk and cheese? Because like one of the takeaways you could have is that it's very difficult to see Galway and Kilkenny based on their performances on Saturday living with Clare and Limerick in a potential All-Ireland semi-final. 
Yeah, no, I thought just tactically it was a different game. Um, the other day, the, 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 the Leinster final versus the, the, the Munster final. I think sometimes games take on a life of their own where players come out performances of a lifetime. And I thought that's what happened uh, on Sunday. I still am of the opinion that Limerick are the top team in, in the country. And I think everybody else is a 50-50 game win. I don't think anyone on the, below Limerick, I don't think anyone uh, is afraid of anybody. And I don't think there'll be any clear-cut favourites in, in any of the games. Like you take, if if the, like even say Cork went up to Antrim the weekend, you'd normally say Cork would be Antrim. But up in, you know, up in Antrim and the way Antrim are hurling this year, they had a fantastic league campaign. Yes, there will be hot favourites. But you wouldn't be surprised if if what or if Antrim pulled up to him for long stages and sneak a victory out. Now saying that, listen, Cork will be hot favourites there. If you say Cork come through that, and we'll say Clare come through their one against um or no, say Clare will not playing Wexford if Wexford win against Kerry. Kerry. Yeah, yeah, you'd say that'd be a fifty-fifty game, Clare versus Wexford, and I would anyway. I know people who have Clare as hot favourites, but I wouldn't. And the same if Gar if Cork end up playing Galway. Cork beat Antrim and go up and play Galway I think they're all 50-50 games at this stage Yeah I think that Antrim uh, game in Corrigan Park against Cork is a potential banana skin at the weekend like this Antrim team scored 25 goals in 6 games in the Joe McDonough Cup and alright they let Leeds slip at Crow Park uh, during the weekend but they looked very impressive in the stages where they hurled very well against Kerry. They were very good throughout the group stage. They've got that bit behind them now. I know it's only a week to prepare for Tommy. That's the big disadvantage that you come out of Crow Park and maybe enjoy the celebrations. And I saw yesterday they were bringing the cup around Caseman Park almost symbolically about the fact that that's going to be rebuilt and they'll be hoping to have Leinster Championship hurling for it. That's the only tricky part for Antrim. But I think back to Leash in Dublin back in 2019. This is that type of occasion where maybe Antrim carry a bit from the week before and give Cork a right good scare at the weekend. Yeah, absolutely, Will. I think it'll be a difficult game for Kerry. They'll be heartbroken after losing three in a row. And you know, with Steve Malumpy down there, they would have put in a huge effort. I'd say fitness uh, was huge. I'd say their efforts were huge. Their preparation, like he would have been preparing them like, you know, any of the teams left in the championship. Then on the other side, then, like you have Antrim. So they're after winning. So they're on the crest of a wave now. So I think the matches couldn't come quicker for, for Antrim. Like, as you said, compared to Leeds versus Dublin a couple of years ago in, in O'Moore Park. So I think it's perfect for Antrim. They don't want any break, I'd say, at this stage. Let's keep it going. Um, and listen, you know, I would not be surprised. They'll definitely pull it up to them up there. The last questions, like Neil McMahon's is back again. He's in great form again. So listen, no, absolutely. I think they'll definitely ask questions of Cork up, up in Carlin Park. Yeah, we'll probably find out a bit more about where Cork are at, where it's the Cork of the early stages of the round robin or the Cork team that we saw finish uh, so well against Tipperary in the last round. Look, I appreciate you're in a difficult position on this one, Tommy, but I can't not ask you about Handshake 2.0 uh, between Cody and Shefflin. Look, you've worked under Brian for so long. You soldiered alongside Shefflin for so long too. Like any Kilkenny player I've spoken to, and, you know, Paul in the hurling pod this week was in that awkward position too. But do you think Brian should have walked over to Henry directly after the game, got the handshake out of the way, and then none of us will be talking about it now? That's for listen, who knows? I know we'll, it is a difficult one, and like we soldiered with the two of them there for, for many, many years. And look, to be straight about, nothing really bad has happened here. Um, you have two guys, I suppose, aren't seeing eye to eye at the moment, and unfortunately, he's playing out in front of the cameras. You know, I've never seen Cam Rangles like it, you know. They're splitting them in two there now at the moment, you know, watching them for the whole game after the game. So it's not easy when it's played out in front of the media like that. Um, so listen, you just hope, you know, that 
it'll just time will be a healer there, you know, a lot of badness has happened, you know, so it's just probably different views and different things there at the moment. No risk of a civil war kind of feeling in Kilkenny at the moment, Tommy, where some people might be Team Shefflin and some people might be Team Cody? Uh, you see, no one, the, the, the thing is, no one is coming out saying anything bad and mm. when, when there's no bitter words being exchanged uh, out in the media, it, it tends to just soften and, um, you know, I, I, everyone just hopes, listen, time will be here here and it'll, it'll finish up. Listen, they might have to have to meet the voice me once more this year. But um, no, all this. I think people are just actually tired of it at the moment. Because Henry Shefflin's a hero. Brian Cody's a hero. The two of them are heroes to so many people in Kilkenny, both locally at, in, the, in their own clubs and the county stage. So I think everyone just... This whole now it's, it's, it's finished be the time they meet next you know yeah it'll cool down for at least a few more weeks we'll see if they'll meet later in the year it'll be a big ask for them uh, to get to the All-Ireland final with the form we've seen from Clare and from Limerick but uh, we shall see what happens as we get into the last six in the championship now over the next few weeks Tommy thanks a million as always thanks Will best of luck